0: Welcome to The Speckled Bees, a celebration of childhood. My name is Lucy. I'm Spencer. This is a podcast where we talk about all things related to childhood. We discuss our passions the things that make us
1: happy, that fill our buckets. And today is the 2nd of December. So happy holidays, Lucy. Yay! <laughs> I love the holidays. I'm so excited. So as we talked about throughout the show, we choose topics that enthuse us and they fill our mental buckets with joy. I love that book, by the way, for anybody who's ever read the book. I think it's called The Bucket or like Bucket Filler. Mm -hmm. It's actually, I should mention this book now because it's really going to lead into this topic we're about to address, which is going to be all about the season of giving and the bucket filling book. It's called, Have You Filled a Bucket Today? You've definitely seen this book, Lucy. It's very popular and I love it. It's a really good visual for kids to teach them empathy and compassion You tell kids that everybody walks around with an invisible bucket. And to fill someone's bucket, you need to do nice things for them or say nice things to them. And you cannot fill your own bucket. You get your bucket filled by being kind to others, exacting kindness. But on the same way, you can empty someone's bucket with not nice words. And I used to use that language a lot with a lot of my students, especially those who I think they started reading this book at like age three. Is I'd be like, thank you for filling my bucket when they said something nice to me. Aww. Or I'd say, that empties my bucket, like on the flip side. Cute. Right. So it's a really good book. It's very positive and yeah, and um, totally leads us into our conversation today. Honestly. Yes. Yeah, keep that in mind, listeners. It's a fantastic book as we get into this topic on giving it's for the season of giving la 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 hey la. <laughs> as our young children develop into empathetic and kind humans we want to aid that process along by providing them the tools to approach the world in a generous and giving manner and there's literally no better time to talk about this than now because there's so many catalysts you could be like what do you want for christmas bobby and it's like well Bobby, have you thought about what your siblings might want? Have you thought about what mom and dad want? Like, it's a great way to just kind of lead them into conversation.
0: Yeah. I love that. I think that's a great reminder to start out with, as we talked about in previous episodes, that depending how old your child is, they are not developmentally capable of empathy yet. So that's tricky getting into this subject. And that's why you do this for years and you'll see results. It's not like, okay, today I am going to make my child be empathetic. And then tomorrow yep. they are like, it's a super long process of like ups and downs. And they have moments where they do a great job. And you're like, wow, oh, I have the best child in the world. And then right. they go back to being a two-year-old and you're like, well, <laughs> all right. Yep. <laughs>
1: hearing about the terrible twos you're going through with Leo and some of his developmental steps he's taking right now are so interesting because whenever I see him, he's the picture perfect child. And then it's really interesting to hear how sometimes he gives you a hard time and you respond by going, okay, like that's the mood that you're in. It's something to bear in mind with this.
0: This isn't uh, a (laughs) step-by-step. Sometimes I respond in a very like, gentle, very empathetic way. And sometimes I'm like, Why are you like that? <laughs> so, it was really funny you because know. your sound
1: just like cut in and out when you did that. And it was like, your own sound was like, yeah, no, like, you know.
0: <laughs> calm down, calm down, Lucy. Uh, yeah. But I also, maybe that's a good thing to throw in too, as this idea that like, you're not going to do a perfect job in a- <laughs> And teaching empathy because we're not perfect and uh, we're all working on this ourselves too. So like, sometimes you can be like, wow, I can see you're having a really hard time. And sometimes you're like, your emotions are really negatively affecting me. And I don't care that you have a reason to feel this way. I don't like how you're acting right now. There was a parent I was talking to the other day and they said, that's literally how they communicate with their five-year-old
1: child is they use very honest language of, I'm not a fan of what you're doing and I will have a very bad reaction in a moment. So I'm going to take a step back from you because you don't want me to have a bad reaction to you. And they're very open about not being happy with their child. And I feel like that communication is very positive because they're not bottling things or they're not falsifying their feelings because I feel like that's just as harmful to like give false feelings all the time. It's being honest and giving them the right way to handle those kind of feelings. Well, On that note, this is not like a a step-by-step guide, but there are a lot of interesting articles that address some ways that can work and adapt around different personalities. And one of them is to model the behavior that you're aiming to achieve with your child, to model behaviors of charity, empathy, and giving. And I'm going to go a little bit into that and like how you can do so. But I think that's a great example is being honest with the way that you feel, And so directly modeling how you handle your emotions so your child can handle those emotions. Same with like how they can handle themes of empathy and giving. Because those are hard. We all naturally have those feelings of empathizing and sympathizing. The way that we put them into words or the levels of which we engage in empathy, that's the learned element that we need to get into. And much like many things in life that we've talked about, the earlier you start, the easier it is and then the second key element to teaching things of charity, empathy, giving, talk about it as often as possible. Talking frequently with your child is just a great way to educate your child. It's, you know, they say that when your child's an, an infant, you should talk to them as much as possible just to get those core language skills going with them. Same with this. If you want to get these empathetic responses, you want to work on having them feel a little more open and giving, talk with them often. And the last one is openly encouraging the behavior. And that might sound like it goes hand in hand with model the behavior, but it's a little bit different and we're going to get into that. So why are there so many themes of giving a big one, especially with Western holidays is it is colder months. And we talked about this In um, what was our most recent episode that we addressed cuffing? I think maybe on, in shelters. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 It definitely was in shelters. It's, It's like a natural preservation skill is wanting to be cozier, more connected with community. So the holiday season is really interesting just in terms of us as a culture, because it's what we, it's a self, it's a preservation. There's all these studies done that show that people are more likely to link up with their community during this time, much like we would have done you know, hundreds mm. of years ago, because it's a preservation aspect. You're trying to, you know, stay out of the cold, stay with friends. That's a small part of it. When we get into the religion side of it, it is really interesting how giving came about in our culture. So, While this episode is specifically talking about how we can encourage our children to think and act generously, we must, of course, consider the fact that generosity should be expressed year round. At this time of the year, centers, shelters are all flooded with donations that could be just as apt during the rest of the calendar year. So we have to bring this up. Why is there such an emphasis on giving during this time of the year? especially Christmas, there's many reasons why ex- we exchange gifts. The earliest of which symbolically is the wise men presenting their gifts to the baby Jesus upon his birth. But we must remember that, you know, there's a lot of history with Christianity, obviously, but for a long time, Christianity was uh, very much reserved celebratory wise to the rich and to the, the kings mm-hmm. of the time. Mm-hmm. And so the gift giving was giving gifts and offerings to the kings and the rulers right. of the time. Mm-hmm. It wasn't a familial exchange. A lot of our modern Christmas traditions glean from pagan winter solstice celebrations Mm -hmm. in which gifts were and are exchanged much more heavily than a lot of Christian traditions were at that time. Even the decor that we associate today with modern Christmas decor, all the lights, came into play during pagan lore, and the Christmas tree. Yeah, I almost touched on that a little more.
0: I know that's uh, Germanic, right? Was that pagan? As yeah, well? but it's part of winter solstice celebration. There is an element of decorating trees and stuff like, uh, I didn't like re look that up before this or anything, right, but w- right. we did that as kind of like a project at school. One time yeah. that I had the children decorate a tree and we talked about how it's not strictly <gasps> just, yeah. so yeah, in fact, gift giving as a
1: mainstream tradition did not. I thought this was so fun reading about this. It didn't come into major effect until the Victorian era. And hmm. I had assumed that it has to do with, because the Victorian era, especially in England, the they had very strong etiquette and family values at that time you know we think about a christmas carol right. came out around that time according to many sources it was because it was such a party holiday there was this issue i didn't include the name of this group but there would be these men who ran around uh the cities during the holidays and would skip Lasted and be really unruly and break things it almost sounds like super bowl weekends here and <laughs> it was becoming such a problem for cities that they decided to reinvent the way that people celebrated Christmas. Plus, we all know Christmas is very commercial now. It's really good for the economy. Yeah. So they reinvented Christmas as a gift-giving holiday to make it more family-friendly and wholesome. But I find it really funny that that was why they did it, was it was so rowdy.
0: Oh, yeah. That's so fascinating. Isn't it? Spencer coming back in with her just like fascinating history. I love history so much. Likewise, another holiday that let me just say it is
1: not as gift giving based, but it is the same themes of giving Thanksgiving. And this was originally, when you think about Thanksgiving was a celebration, but it was like Memorial Day. It's a celebration of survival. And it was the first pilgrim harvest in 1621. It wasn't really a holiday. It was a honoring and a remembrance. Yeah. wasn't until the 1800s after the Civil War that it became a holiday because Lincoln implemented it as a holiday to unify the country.
0: Interesting. So Thanksgiving actually
1: isn't that old of a holiday. Yeah. I mean, obviously it was always recognized and celebrated, but it wasn't in the same regards that we hold it to today. And now we think about Thanksgiving with family time volunteering food kitchens. And it has that really impactful gift-giving aspect of it, which is Black Friday. And then the last little connection I was going to make was the Jewish holiday of Hanukkah, which much like Thanksgiving, its origins were not as a major holiday. It was a celebration of the major military win in ancient Mm -hmm. Jerusalem. And now it is a family-centered holiday with its famous seven nights of gift giving. Karen Sternheimer, who is the author of the Everyday Sociology blog, it's a really fun read. She does a really good job of explaining how these various days in history have become, have come to mean togetherness and giving in our Western culture. And it's all about the way that we ritualize and establish a norm, especially in relation to, you know, feeling safer in the cold months and the economic factors of life. We all, again, know that American commercialism has really pushed these holidays up into a huge realm.
0: (laughs) We're really great at taking a good thing and uh, making it too much. (laughs) That is capitalism. Yeah. But yeah, for us, especially in the US, we've grown these holidays
1: closely together and these unifying themes of family. And literally it's in the name of Thanksgiving, gratefulness. And Sternheimer goes on to express how her family has taken these rituals, turned that have become so commonplace in American society, and she has adapted them into a more giving direction. So that's the answer: is take the rituals that we look at so often. You know, instead of the ritual of the holidays being giving your child a gift, ritualize it being them giving to others as well. Just flip it on its head and focus on keeping those rituals, but adding some new traditions into the family. And whether you do already or not, it's just a reminder that we really should be pushing that direction more with our kids, because beyond the holidays and just being kinder to each other, it's a good life lesson. And it's good to start that early with kids. So you don't get dadleys. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Best example.
0: <laughs> Go read Dursley. Harry
1: Potter. Deadly Dursley. What a name. <laughs> Uh, So then I was going to ask you the question, Lucy, do you have any plans to give back this holiday season?
0: So. I did get to read that ahead of time and I'm glad because I would have been really taken off guard. Been it's like, a hard question. Like, uh... There's like the generic, you know, like little ways we get back and there's the bigger ones. So, yeah. um, But there's something that like my church has done the last couple of years, like come up from the top. So like a worldwide thing that they've done uh, is a light the world program. Oh, cool. In the past couple of years, they've actually, they give out a calendar, like they have a pre-done thing. And every day of the month of December, you're doing some sort of service. They And like, and honestly, I have not super participated in the past, but I do love this idea. You know, this is a time of year that we, lots of people do like Christmas bucket lists and yes, yeah. Yes. And like we do advent calendars and we have those sort of things. But I really, I, like I love that idea of kind of doing like a kindness advent calendar for the month of December or like a bucket list, a kindness bucket list to just I do like little lot. things. Yeah.
1: If you want to share that with me, that'd be kind of fun. We could keep like our listeners updated on how we keep up with it. Yeah. <gasps> Let's let's Wouldn't make, make one. Yeah, let's make one. I would actually really appreciate that because personally speaking, I, this is something I'll put on myself and why I had a hard and fun time doing this episode. I am very inward with my giving. It's to family. Yeah. And I would love to be more outwards. So let's do that. Let's try to do like a little giving advent calendar because this is coming out on the second. Yeah.
0: So we totally could do it.
1: Let's keep our listeners up to date with us. That'd be so much fun. Okay. So as we talked about earlier, how do we model this behavior? And you mentioned this already that in Monsters and Magic, empathy is still a developing skill for young children because they're still navigating like self-preservation skills and these very surface understandings of the world. So Berkeley University actually has a publication called Greater Good Magazine in which they find science-backed reasoning for why being good is good for you. I was pouring through this this publication. It's really, it's just a feel-good publication. It's factual information as to how to better yourself. I loved it. Dr. Abdullah is the Parenting Program Director at the magazine, and she talks about how she models kindness and generosity year-round by reading real-life stories of good deeds to her children. So she cites in her article that like she'll pick up the newspaper and scan it and she'll tell her kids about how, I think she had one example where a student had raised money for one of their fellow students' cancer treatments by doing a little fundraiser and it was like little things like that. She writes, apart from making toddlers happier, generosity may also help us build trust and stronger social ties and even improve our physical health, including our blood pressure and sleep quality. So folks, it does good to be good. I I love that. Like, I love the fact that you can say that I'm bettering myself by being a good person.
0: Yeah, a little bit, not exactly, but a little bit kind of like a fake it till you make it kind of a thing. I think sometimes it feels like, well, I don't want to go do this good deed. Am I getting any good out of it? Because I actually don't want to do it. But like, to, right. yeah, I, I feel though. like I do that a lot. <laughs> yeah.
1: What what, what do they call that? When you are doing something good to make yourself feel better. There is a phrase for that. So that's, that's like a constant, like ethical question. And maybe that's what it is. I, that's not quite the term I'm looking yeah. for. It's an ethical term used often to describe like if people are only doing something to make themselves feel better and then the ethical question is is that bad if they're still doing the right thing but it's for themselves is that does that make the be- the good act bad it, it's a whole question I think Keep about questions on the
0: speckled bees right I think to for me who cares as long as the world is a little bit of a better place because <laughs> you did something good like right that that's how I feel too yeah if people were just like well this isn't a good thing like because I've We'll feel good about it, so I better not do it. If people just got too sad about it and just stopped doing right. good things, this world would well, be
1: what, one of the hard scary. times I had with this article was not overdoing the information because, as you can imagine, on topics of generosity and kindness, especially around the holidays, there's a lot of information. Oh yeah, and one of them was citing that if you would like to actually adhere good values with your child, you should practice um, anonymity, like in a like um anonymity anonymity I was gonna say animosity and I was like practice practice animosity with your children <laughs> I used to tell people when I was hungry that I was emancipated I've been emaciated and it was
0: like it's not I'm you're emancipated <laughs> I, have I a am hard dying time in here <laughs> it's a tricky one uh, but
1: yeah they were saying that in this article that you should teach your kids to be I'm not going to say the other (laughs) one anymore. That you should teach your kids to be anonymous and to practice that in their gift giving, because that instills very strong moral values of Mm -hmm. not expecting a result back.
0: I know my family did like 12 days of Christmas for like other families before where you like every day for 12 days, you like, drop stuff on their doorstep and then you just don't tell them who you are ever and there's one thing to do sorry i'm eating chocolate which is so rude <laughs> you're fine it's gonna
1: be cute because chocolate is good uh, you <laughs> make me think about that dark chocolate from aquapon now uh
0: oh yeah, my but gosh um, if anyone wants so to good. get lucy ritter a present for christmas <laughs> give me some chocolate from potomac chocolate and
1: aquapon So in most cases, we can begin to at least model these behaviors through our actions. Children are little sponges and they'll naturally pick up what we present to them. I feel like we say that like very often in episodes, like please be mindful of what you do and say around your
0: kids.
1: (laughs) Yep. Okay. So here are the direct examples of modeling. Demonstrate generosity through small daily actions. For example, when you're eating, when Lucy's eating her fancy chocolate from the aquacon shop and... (laughs) And if you love what you're eating, you should express in words, how much you enjoy that chocolate, that that item, and then you can offer it to your child and let them share in your joy very directly. Now, of course, there's other examples of generosity, but like, that's a really easy one.
0: I love that. That is the cutest thing ever. It's such a good way to show them generosity because you're
1: enjoying something so much, but you're willing to give some of it to them. It just makes
0: sense. It makes so much sense. And honestly, every time I have done it, it's like a really awesome bonding experience. Like the Mm. first time I gave him hot chocolate and now we have like very regular hot chocolate dates.
1: Uh, Another thing we can do is we can embrace diversity and that is by discussing and showcasing the differences that we all share that make us unique and special. I cannot express enough. Diversity is a celebration like talking about people's differences is a positive thing that we need to make sure we address with kids. How can we love the differences that others have and make them feel special? We can demonstrate to kids by talking about what makes us special and what makes other people special. That goes a little bit into the talk about it portion of encouraging gratitude and, and and empathy with children, but I thought it fit more so into the modeling behavior.
0: Yeah. Especially, especially like with books and stuff like that too. Like, yeah. Well, and it's, it's so confusing for children. Like um, hypocrisy is almost too harsh of a word, but kind of that, like that is really confusing for children. When you're, Doing or you're saying one thing and you're doing something else, it gets really, really, really confusing for them. So yeah,
1: well, okay. So I'm actually gonna bring her up. Uh, I really enjoyed Griffin, Mrs. Griffin's post because it oh, was very recently. So cool. She is so cool and so good about diversity. For our listeners, I hope she doesn't mind us talking about her because she's just amazing. She has a, a son with dwarfism, and recently it was National Dwarfism Awareness Day. She's always very good at making sure that. Kids in his class or uh the parents in the class are aware of like colors to wear and how to celebrate. Green, and she I believe it's green. Yeah, it's yeah. green, it's green. She uses very like inclusive language, um, but also diversive language. And I was so charmed. She posted about how a really good example of diversive inclusion was that her son was playing on the field with his friends and they were playing zombies. And they said that their dwarf zombies were coming to get them. And it was like including his narrative into play. And it's so cute that they did that for him. Mm -hmm. She's really good about explaining how to be politely diverse and how to be correctly diverse. Yeah. yeah.
0: And I think that is a big difference. Uh, Like you can have books of lots of different diverse children, diverse religions. We have one that talks about like, religious diversity, which That's I love, it. love. It's called hats of faith. That's cool. Yeah. Oh my gosh. What you would cool love name. this book, but it's like, it's like really <laughs> cool artwork too in it. It's like a really cool little book. Um, but it just shows Aww. all these different people wearing hats and it, like, it says the name of them, uh, the name of the hats and like, it's all the, and you know, like, especially being from a religion that you're oh, average member like of my religion or an average adult member of my religion wears a specific clothing item to show faith. And so like, it's really cool to like have, they're all showing faith. They're all showing their devotion through their hats. And so it's not weird when somebody is wearing this, you know, silly hat or anything. It's like, Oh, They're just showing their faith, and it's really cool. And then they like high five at the end, and like learning about our differences helps us appreciate them. Like, and that's pretty cool. Like, yeah, it's a super great book. I love it. I love this. But you have books like that. But then, if you are not, if you are not embracing some experiences and working with in childcare settings and different diverse settings with children. You sometimes come across very sad situations where parents won't want their children to be around certain children. And it's always pretty heartbreaking. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it gets confusing if you're saying one thing, but doing something else. I think that's an important one to put on the list.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think it's really, we have to keep that in mind when we are expressing these thoughts of diversity and these ideas, because it's, you have to follow through with your actions. And that's why I think some of these points fall into modeling behavior, not talking about behavior. Yeah. It's very different. Um well so on that literally what you just said about the picture book is using pictures to oh, your advantage. Yeah. So show images of acts of generosity and then label these feelings and actions in clear and easy terms. Because I, I can imagine it's like hard too if like Maybe you are um, homeschooling your child or you are not in a very diverse area and it's hard to showcase these ideas. You can talk about it all you want, but how do you directly show it? I think we all inherently understand kindness, generosity, and charity is a harder situation to explain. And as is defined in many child handbooks, how to explain charity, it's helping people that need help. Like that's as straightforward as you can explain it yeah there's so much information on the subject but it isn't worthy to mention this is not the easiest conversation either because sometimes you have to talk about why people need help and that's a difficult conversation too but it is a necessary conversation the same way that we need to talk about diversity like if if, if there is a child that is is um physically impaired you're not going to gloss over that. It's better to talk about their impairment and talk about how to be a part of their lives than it is to gloss over and normalize them. It's that's, that's not normalizing. That's eradicating what makes them special. So I think it's important to address the subject.
0: Yeah, I agree. Very cool. Yeah. And then another way that we can
1: exactly to that point, using pictures and modeling behaviors, reading books with examples of generosity, I think the gearbook is a really good example of that. It's like having beautiful images of people of different cultures and embracing them and loving them and accepting people for who they are.
0: I'm gonna argue with you on the uh, not not on that one, but I, I had the on. giving tree. Spencer put the giving tree. Against <laughs> it is such a good book. It's a terrible it, book, but it's such. a It tr- is. It is a very sweet book, but I think that it is she very is. important to talk about boundaries, yes. and we should not be giving until we're at the point where we have nothing else to give. <laughs> so, so sad. I, I love lo- using it actually, like in parent education, that we actually should not be giving our children everything where we have nothing left to give them, they don't get to learn things themselves. And then we don't have anything left to give them. But yeah, so I argue, but it is a very sweet book, but I think it teaches (laughs) a, I'm such a weirdo.
1: No, 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 (laughs) I'll concede with you on that because I feel very similarly, but I know so many people that worship that book. I feel like I had to include it because it's all about yeah. loving someone so dearly that you give them your all. But mm-hmm. I agree. It's almost it's it's a pretty one-sided relationship.
0: Yeah. Anyways, I could talk about this uh, way too long. It is a very I cute agree. book. And Lucy just has some weird, <laughs> strong opinions. <and laughs> it's a they're very sweet weird. book. <laughs> I think they're. They're pretty reasonable in your defense. We, we, will, we will gloss over this, <laughs> but let's talk about your next book on the list. <gasps> yes, because this was actually a a sequel <laughs> to a book I'm pretty sure
1: most of us have read, which is uh, I always say her her name Stra st- st-
0: st- I say I say Stregonuna, but whether or not I like that, I have no idea. So.
1: I didn't realize this book existed because like, I have know seen like the original Struganuna. Yeah, but there's like the noodles, a yeah. sequel. Yeah, it, cool. it's called Struganuna's Harvest. And it's all about her like working really hard to make this amazing garden. So first off, like, such goodness. a good book for the season, you know, talk about harvesting. There's like a whole Struganuna series. There's a There's a Christmas Struganuna what? too. Yeah, I didn't know this. Oh so, my gosh, I love it. So cool. And, well, so in, in this one, she is taking all this time to get ready for a feast. And it's basically her talking about how it's worth it to put your effort into things because you want to see the joy that others get. And that guy, the author, Tomi De Paola, he writes a lot of books. And they're all about like various, like I don't know what I would say, ethnic, like Mediterranean figures. So it's like Brother Francis of Assisi, he writes a book about him. Uh, The Legend of the Blue Bonnet. He writes a book about uh, like a Native American child. There's a lot of books that he's written. A popcorn book. Very interesting guy. (laughs) So then the other book that I found, and I haven't read this book, but it looks so cool. It's called uh, Pass It On. And it's like this extremely colorful book that apparently depicts this child in they give a balloon to somebody and some kind words. And then that child passes on. And it's all about how you <gasps> oh, can just yeah, keep yeah, passing yeah. on love. And
0: I've seen I mean, this book this. before.
1: It looks so cute. If you spread happiness to others, even on a grave rainy day, when you least expect it, like a bolt out of the blue, a smile or a chuckle may pass passed right back to you. Very cute. How cute. Yeah, there is expectedly so. There are a ton of really good books discussing kindness and Gratitude and uh, giving. A lot of them I've never heard of, and it makes me kind of sad. I wish I'd read more of than,
0: so I have to yeah educate myself more on these subjects. Cool, right? You know I love a good children's book in my collection. I know you do. <laughs> uh, I mean, we the we talked about the book Shelter. That was that's a good one. Yeah, and generosity. But oh, it was such a cute well, book. I don't know what this book is, but that looks so cute. There's a book called Apple. Uh-huh a gratitude. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Well, awesome. Of, that's awesome. I like a good book about gratitude. I like the ones that have more specific
1: themes. Yeah. <laughs> Apple cake. I guess that one pop up called invisible boy. It looks fun. Really good art. Mm-hmm. It's all about a little boy who was invisible and then somebody gave him kindness and suddenly he wasn't invisible anymore. Oh, cute. I like the start of children's book club.
0: But seriously though. Oh my gosh. I would love that. Rainbow fish is another one though. Sorry. Oh, that's a really good one. No, yeah, but, oh fresh. my God.
1: That's a really good one of generosity. Mm-hmm. I love that. I'm trying to think of a book that does this next part, which is uh, practice gratitude. So use your pleas and thank yous frequently and often. Just making sure you're very clear about that. That makes the benefits of giving mutual, therefore, if you're receiving the the thank yous and you're giving the pleases. So I mean common sense, but you know. It should
0: be said. I did um post on like my personal Instagram page like years ago, but on sharing and mm. it was very similar things like, you know, th- that's a lot of, a lot of overlap in those conversations, but yeah, it yeah. was a lot like sharing is not super developmentally appropriate until they're like eight and things like that. And then you're also like, you're teaching really problematic things of like, especially this. three and up kids will be like, I want that. They're not sharing. I'm like, sharing does
1: not mean getting what you want. <laughs> like, that's not how this works. Yeah. It's sharing is, is, is equally enjoying something, but it's not getting what you want. It's um being reciprocative and and being kind in your actions, and I think that's why the story comes in. Well, it's like we're not trying to teach sharing is caring; we're trying to teach that being kind is caring.
0: Yeah, and that is a different thing. Like, and the autonomy of it—that's a bad message to teach children that even if they're uncomfortable with something, they have to do it anyways. Like something that's theirs, like get walked all over. Like it's yeah. well, Well, even going further than that, if that's the messaging, like. Ooh, you have this thing that you care a lot about a lot, but if you love this person, you're going to share with them. That's how we be kind. It's also problematic messaging for like sexual experiences later on. Yeah. Such a good point. Yeah. Or, or even like, uh, I guess trigger word warning here too. <laughs> We're t- talking about this a lot lately, but like abuse, like, you know, mm-hmm. to be like, you don't want to give, but somebody tells you that you have to give it to them. And, you know, that's what we're being encouraged. You you have to share, you know, we don't want to be doing that. And really the number one most effective way to teach something like sharing or generosity, like kindness is through modeling. That's the number one thing. So if you want your children to say please and thank you and want them to actually mean it. And, you know, we want our children to have manners. So, you know, John, John and I, this is a thing that we, we ask Leo to rephrase it, like, try that again, please. And have him say, please. But at the same time, if you want your child to actually have it come from a place of authenticity, it's through modeling. Number one way is through modeling. Yep. Agreed. You cannot be fake with it. And if your
1: kid has an attitude with the way they're asking, Let's please consider that a lot of what they do is received by the ways in which we we react and act. So think about how you're maybe asking for things and consider that not saying it's anybody's fault, but it's just it is considerable.
0: Well, that that's actually why I started very specifically picked out this phraseology of like, try that again, please. Is like trying to model the please at the end instead of being like, because I'm the adult, I can demand things from you without saying please, because like, why would he think that's different that I have the authority? So I'm allowed to not say please, but yeah, I think it's hard to zone in and be like, oh, I could ask that in a better way. I could use my manners more and be polite and not, not like a, oh, if, if it's convenient for you, son would you please say
1: please? But and it's still being direct. i seen but... so many TikToks addressing that where it's that it's pushing into that realm of it's it's toxic kind parenting. It's like yeah. you're not modeling kind behavior, you're modeling submissive behaviors that excuses bad attitudes with kind words. We're, that's why we're talking about this, that modeling and words are two different things. They have to go hand in hand. Mm-hmm. And it makes such a big difference is exactly what you just said. You don't want it to be Empty. Like, what's the point? What are they getting from that? What are you getting from that? Nothing. Like, it's so. Yeah.
0: It's just a word. If if it's not attached to any feeling, it's just a word, you know? Like, so yeah, it might sound common sense, but practice gratitude if there's nothing
1: common about it. And then on that note, let them see the impact directly. So this goes into what you just said the ways that you respond to things is one example, but more directly what I'm talking about is engaging in actions that have a clear effect and outcome by the end of them. And the best example I can give of this is volunteerism and the way that we get involved in volunteering and how it impacts you. And so I gave three different categories for this. It's volunteering in your local community, volunteering globally, and then volunteering at home. Cool, because I like that. Volunteering at home is like definitely a thing. Yeah, should, I'll start, yeah, I'll start with that. It's like things yeah. like practicing recycling, um, helping our family members, and I feel like exactly what we just talked about. It's like kindness to others. That's volunteering. That's having a direct impact, and cleaning up. Like I mean, those are all, like things that we should be doing. But if you want to talk about how to explain volunteering to them, it's like a willing action to cause a positive impact, and I feel like that's a really example. Start with volunteerism around the house. Yeah. I and like that, that. Wouldn't that be nice to talk about that around the holidays, especially if you're still a family, as many of us should be in our, who are taking things cautiously this year, continuing COVID and right? staying home a little more. Maybe you don't, don't want to go out into public in a big community setting. Right. Then practice word it differently and talk about actions at home being You know, a volunteer opportunity. Talk, Mm -hmm. like, swing that around. Make it give. You're giving your actions, and that's that's the way that you're giving back. So, and of course, again, these should be commonplace. Like, your kids should be helping around the house, but. It's a nice way to word it.
0: It's a good well, way to express it. It kind of reminds me of my mom every year when well, we'd ask her what she wanted for her birthday or Christmas or something like that. She'd be like, I want a clean house and kind children. I always I <laughs> say it all the time. And I was like, it's not a present. I know, you're like, that's <laughs> like, stupid. I think maybe it could be a cool dialogue to talk about that more about like, why? Like, you know what? I actually would help me happier than anything you could give me for you to help me out with doing the dishes or stuff like that. Volunteering in the community,
1: how we do that. Okay, so this is just a really good list because we all know most of these, but working at a food bank or a soup kitchen, do you want to go through this list of things? Yeah, tutoring, that's a cool one. Work in community
0: cleanups. Visit an assisted living home, that's a great one. Especially this time of year, go like Carol. Although, again, although I guess maybe... No, no,
1: because a lot of places are doing like the window ones where like you go up (gasps) to people's windows. So oh, that's pretty cute. cool. Yeah. So, so maybe check, check how to, into that.
0: yeah, yeah. Uh, probably some even have like Zoom set up. I'm sure. Yeah. You could-
1: yeah. I saw one last year and it was like, uh, I, I offered to do this and I was, they were fall. You could go and paint the windows of the. <gasps> Yeah, that was so cool. I was like, oh. "Oh, I love that! I love these cool little alternative." Like, how cool would that be? It was so, so cool. cool. Like, what a great idea! So that would yeah, bring I, me
0: so much joy. Like, would fill <laughs> my bucket. Yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> so cute. Yeah, I like that one a lot. I thought that was great. Um,
1: Working at an animal shelter. That one's a little hard because there's a lot of age restrictions on that. That's and those true. usually fill up very quickly because people really, really like to do that. It doesn't like animals. Yeah. Help out at the library. Classic. I did that. Love that was libraries. one of the ones that I did in high school. Um, I like that a lot. I always had a good time working those events.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, a walking or running fundraiser. There are so many around the holidays. So many.
0: So yeah. many. In high school, um, I did a lot of help the home- homeless walkathons. Ah, And that's so fun. So cool.
1: Yeah, there's just, I mean, it's a great way to get involved. You can get sponsorships. There is shout out to Courtney, um, the soundstage teacher at Compass right now. She is actually earning donations right now from parents in her classroom. And she is going to be walking, doing a Disney marathon in January to raise money for, I believe it's a a child cancer foundation. So very cool. I'm trying to see right now because I like that one a lot. I'd like to do like a good walk. Uh, Telephone banking. I think this one is a little out of pocket for children, but I should mention it because some
0: places do let kids get involved. And then the last one. Gather clothing and food donations for local shelters and groups. That's an easiest one. one. Oh, that's one of my best memories because I was thinking the other day when we went trick-or-treating with Leo, I was like, because I was going to be like, man, I haven't trick-or-treated in so many years. And that is true. But I was like, I went trick-or-treating all the time in high school. And then I was like, no, 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 that's right. I did not go trick-or-treating in high school. I went trick-or-treating for cans. And so we'd like, yeah, Yeah. so we'd hand out flyers the week before and we'd go around and be like, we're trick-or-treating for cans. And we did caroling for cans too. I I was in a junior Civitans club and I was like really involved. I went to like a junior Civitans conference and met my first like romantic interest there. And we held hands. Then he turned out he had a girlfriend. So mm. never talk to him again. um <laughs> I love that. But anyways, the point is like, especially if you're wanting like your teenagers to like do something again, that's not the group that we talk about that much in this podcast, but like, what a great way to get teenagers involved in things. And like, yeah, we'd go caroling oh, yeah. for cans.
1: I, I actually, I've never heard of that. And I, I love that.
0: It was so fun. It was so fun.
1: Well, and everybody can do it and it's COVID friendly. If that's it's so that easy, it's- then you
0: just go to the Axe food shelter. I is, I guess yep. the one around here, but like, I don't know if that is a national thing, but yeah, there's always places that are collecting cans and things like that. So easy to go just donate them really quickly to set it up without having to like coordinate with a bunch of other people. So easy to do.
1: And my other thing about it too, is any physicality can do it too. Little kids can do it. Big kids can do it. There's no limits and you can make it fun. You could do Carolyn, you could do. Be a fun way to get to
0: know your neighbors. If you even just like passed it out around flyers to like, just like at your block. I'm trying really to think cool.
1: of what it was, what the competition specifically was, but we had one at my old school. I think you had to build a turkey out of cans. Cute. It was something, it was some set sculpture and you built the sculpture out of cans mm-hmm. and they would like judge it. And like the winner would get, I don't know, like a prize, but like nothing crazy, but it was really cute because then everybody would donate so that their
0: classroom could build the best sculpture. So it's very creative. That's so cool. I love that. It was a good idea. I, I just wanted to even say like, one, there's apps for like volunteering, but even next door mm-hmm. is an app that you can. I have next door. Yeah, I I, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's a great app. But like, there's often people like asking for help, even getting on your local Facebook buy nothing pages.
1: Oh yeah. yeah, yeah.
0: And people are just like, does anyone have like swim diapers in this size? Cause I don't have any and don't like, you know, like just a very easy way to be like, oh, I'm kind of helping I out someone. Just be involved, like be ready to, to help people, even on like a smaller
1: scale. That's the thing we talk with our kids about volunteering is not just the typical norm set. It's, are you helping people of your own free will and volition? Yeah. Are you filling someone's bucket? Again, the bucket filling. Right, I right. Because well, I think
0: it it gets really overwhelming a lot too, of, you know, for people who are working full time. For parents, like it gets really overwhelming to be like, I have to spend an entire Saturday cleaning up somebody's yard. Like that can be so overwhelming. Or like, I have to pay money to go on this walk. But like, you know, to do just these little things, this little, yeah. just fill somebody's bucket a little bit each day. I like these ideas of.
1: Yeah. And that's why I like this. It's like they're things that you can do on your own. Mm-hmm. This part, this next category meant a lot to me because I had to do this this summer with my students, volunteering globally. And what I mean by that is having a wider reaching impact than community volunteering. So that's sending holiday cards to military members or just like other service deployments, writing letters to elected officials for a cause that you believe in. It's a little bit older, but I've heard of many situations where people have their parents write the letter for them. And then, of course, donating items for national disasters. These are very wide options because there's a lot of things that you can do. I will say I almost feel like this might be saved for an older age group because this is all about modeling behavior by letting them see impact. And it's a little hard to see impact in that regard.
0: Yeah. That's true.
1: And I had to deal with that This summer. We did a two month theme called our community outreach summer through May 31st through July 2nd of this year. It was pre-K through 12. And it was tricky because I would only pick the charities if it had an artistic format and it was easily understood by the children. Because at the age of four, we just talked about this. You're still developing empathy. I remember you working on these and it was
0: really cool.
1: It was really fun. The first one was the most impactful. Every child remembered this weeks after we did what was called heart of dinner. And heart of dinner is a New York City based COVID relief program where most people remember, and this is still occurring. There has been a lot of violence against people who are Asian or Asian addict since COVID started because of all these misrepresentations of fears around COVID. And we explained that to the children. We told them that there were people in this world that were scared and wanted to hurt other people. Cool to open
0: up a real dialogue on that. Like, yeah.
1: Well, and so we directly used what we just talked about. I'm actually really happy to talk about this. We modeled empathy by having them consider how they would feel if their own grandparents were in danger. So specifically this heart of dinner service would deliver meals and groceries to Asian elders to combat food insecurity and the isolation these elderly Asian individuals were experiencing because they were scared to leave their own house. They the kids were so good with the empathy. We were like, imagine if you, if your grandparents were stuck and they were hungry and we used very simple language. They're stuck, they're hungry, they can't go anywhere. How would you feel? And a lot of them were like Oh, I go bring them food. And it was like, okay, but what if you can't? And it was like, we had to really get into the nitty gritty of this. And so we, we, and that was why it was so easy. Cause there was an answer here. The answer is this awesome couple, uh, also notably a lesbian Asian couple, like just really like minority, minority. I believe one of them worked the food distribution company already. And so they got together with that company and then a lot of other local produce grocery store and restaurants. I'm sure you cannot see that. I'm just so goosebumpy right now. Oh, that makes this, me so, oh happy. so sweet.
0: This is so sweet. Oh,
1: and y'all, like Heart of Dinner is still going. They are such a good organization. You can donate to them. You can be part of their delivery teams if you live in New York City. Wow. Oh. So this is how their process works. First, we rally energy and funds from the community. Two. We support local food businesses with orders. So they're paying, they're paying the businesses. Like, so they're also giving back to businesses. Three, volunteers write notes and illustrate bags for our heartwarming care packages. And that's the reason I found this was I saw somebody post all these beautiful paper bags that were covered in drawings. And I reached out to Heart of Dinner and they were like, actually, we have too many paper bags, but we need more notes. And it was very challenging actually because these notes had to be written in the link lang- the Asian language they requested of us and they said that there was wow. too many Korean and too many Japanese so they did not have enough Chinese so we gave these students we're talking age four like outlines of Chinese characters we challenging them and they they wrote all their own notes the kids would illustrate their notes with their favorite foods and then would on their second week of work would write Chinese characters work on it so it was a great literacy project And then they would send it out. And we ended up sending out 75 notes in the end. So it was. Perhaps.
0: Oh my gosh, that is so cool.
1: We had a great time with it. And then one of the other projects we did was using the same note cards. It was called SMALL, S M A L L, and it stood for Send Mail Art Love and Life. This is a very simple project. I'll be honest. I do not know if this project is still as as ongoing as it was when it first started about 10 years ago. We did it anyways. The idea is you illustrate a postcard and you write a message on it and they have artists all over the world do this. You send your artwork to the address that's listed on their site and these pieces are framed and exhibited in a gallery and any of the art, the postcards that are sold The funds for that are raised to build a school for children in Kerem, Ethiopia. So it's like a lot of cool impacts. And the kids were so enthralled with this because we were like, keep in mind, there's children in this world that do not have the things that you have. Consider that and really put your energy into this art. It was such a hard concept. We had to talk about this really carefully. How can I create something so beautiful? I put so much effort into it that somebody in the world is going to want to pay money for this, to buy children beautiful things for their school. And we really got into that and more so for the younger kids. And we're going to get into the how money does not translate well for early Mm-mm, dialogue. Yeah. No, was just your arts will get good things. <laughs> but yeah, so those are the two most impactful charities that are global based that I mentioned. There was two others that we focused on. They weren't exactly charities exactly. They were more like, community art projects and I want to talk more about giving in community so I'm not going to talk about that
0: wait 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 but I I'm going to make you (laughs) one on here is the (laughs) happy city birds yeah and so that one is it is a community
1: impacting project this guy, Thomas Danbo, the story is really cute. He had a bunch of birdhouses donated to him and he painted all these houses, installed them in his city block, and it was really pretty and it encouraged more bird population. So he ended up making, get a series called Happy City Birds where he would go and install like little cities of birdhouses in cities. And it was cool, but it was definitely a community impact project, not a community
0: volunteer project. It was him doing it. And right, right, right. But we have a bird feeder in our backyard and we have it placed very specifically that we can see it through our kitchen window, like above the sink. And it is such like, as far as something where they can see the impact, it opens up a bunch of conversations like, we put that food out there oh, for the birds and I, I see the what you're saying and we get tons we get tons of birds and tons of squirrels so to talk about how like we put that food out there like we're giving that food to the birds and they're so happy like so in order to like talk about a direct impact of generosity and giving you know a lot of these things you know, they can see a person be happy for a second, but it's hard to be able to see ongoing impact. But like, I think a bird feeder is actually like a really cool one. Yeah, it's, it's watching your impact
1: actually occur. That's yeah. a really good example because I, I do forget that I'm talking a lot about human volunteerism, yet I'm mentioning shelters. Animal volunteerism is oh, so good. It, it, it's giving kindness to others. Yeah, because so well, it like, like translates like to
0: like, I'm, you know, like- good conversations because a lot of children are very interested mm. in animals almost more so than they're interested in people at this point. Like when they're little, like animals are simpler to understand too. They are. That does lead to my next
1: point, which is talk about it. Like, how do we talk about it? It's discussing the wants and needs of others. We're not the only ones that need a river heads or who get hungry. Talk about the needs of others. Oh, and literally, this is what we talked about earlier. I finally found out, talk about sharing being temporary. So another way that we can talk about it and so expressing generosity is praise by praising what they do for doing the right thing. It's forward motioning towards them, understanding the value of generosity. Even just being like,
0: oh, thank you so much for sharing yeah. that with me. Yeah. Like just that being when excited
1: and emphasizing the key words that go with that. Like share feel care and this isn't word this isn't a word this is words Mm. do the right thing there's a lot of articles talking about how using that term is actually very impactful because it's such a simple term do the right thing it comes up a lot you would think it isn't because it's kind of a blanket statement but it actually does it's there's like a ton of articles even in that uh media publishing the greater good it's say do the right thing like think about it Is that choice that you're making for you or is it the right thing? Do the right thing. And like, again, everything goes together. Coach those social skills. Work on the words that we use from responding and talking to others with kindness and compassion. Coach it. Make sure they're aware of how they're impacting others, the words they use. And on that note, the last thing is openly encourage it. It's continuously reinforcing and positively encouraging the acts we just discussed they will aid in raising a generous child ready to contribute more during this holiday season, help them understand the need by using all the things that we just talked about, having open discussions, praising them, going through the actions, especially the actions based factor of it, like the images or volunteering helps them understand why we need to do this. And to finish this point of encouraging the behavior, always make it a choice studies have found that people are happier about performing kind and helpful acts when it feels voluntary and self-directed. I'm not going to get into this much further, but I have included a link that we'll add to this podcast episode, which is by, again, I love this site now, The Greater Good, And they talk about how to help kids learn to love giving. That's the title of the article. Hmm. And their main point is you can't force them into it. It needs to be a voluntary thing. It needs to be their choice. You don't want this to feel like a punishment if you want it to be a long-term effect. So yeah, and I don't just want to leave you guys with ideas. I want to give you direct examples of things that you can do. We have a lot of listeners from around the world on here. So I'm including for you guys ways that you can find local involvement. Uh, we'll link all of this, but for example, Volunteer Match is the world's largest volunteer engagement network. And it gives you all these options, very easy to navigate, and you can narrow your searches to an age ranges. So you can find specifically child-friendly events. Cool. Uh, the next one has a hard time with that. Habitat for humanity it's worldwide. I personally volunteered with them in college. Uh, we did homes for Katrina, and they are just a really good example of like a very positive and Directly impactful worldwide volunteer institution. We mentioned this earlier: volunteering at shelters, so humane societies. My husband and I adopted our cats, Harley and Ivy, from the Richmond Animal League of Virginia, and we did a double. We made a point to make a donation in the name of our guests at our wedding, and that was our guest' sweetest
0: thing. It was so cute.
1: We have to love, and there's many ways we can impact. It's donating items, giving our time. It's one of the most sought after volunteer opportunities is working in humane societies. It is one of the hardest to get because they have strict regulations and it's very popular. Generally, I just made a quick note about how having children around animals is great on an emotional level. It helps them working on those compassion skills. And it's uh, I personally love this fact. It's good for your immune system. Yeah. Like having a pet raised around your child has been shown to help their immune systems it teaches them how to be careful too because some kids don't know how to be cautious their big body movement especially like if you're with an animal which has to have small motions and you know careful touch
0: it's a pretty good teaching factor so yeah yeah with direct like immediate natural consequences speaking (laughs) of direct results seeing your results directly
1: Mm -hmm. show kindness and you'll get it back show care and you'll get it back Another good group. I actually have never heard of this. It's called Generation On. It's a child organization. So it's for kids and teens interested in service and volunteering. And it is part of the Points of Light enterprise. Again, had not heard about them. I'm sure they're amazing, but they do things like they organize clubs. They do campaigns. They start school programs. Like it's very far reaching. So highly recommend looking into this one if you have an older child, especially.
0: And um, junior Civitans if your, if your high school has a junior Civitans club, you they could grow into a Lucy Ritter. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, they, there's so many of these other groups too. Like, like scouts yeah. is such
1: a good example. Um, scouts girls said, I love being a girl scout. A lot of the things we mentioned volunteer-wise I did because I was a girl scout. So yeah. definitely look into your local troops. I loved my experience. For our locals here, there are, I'm only going to touch on a few of these in this long list. We will link the list to one of our posts about this. We live in such a diverse state, specifically up here in Northern Virginia where we reside is a very diverse area, meaning that there's no lacks of groups in the area. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm just going to mention a few. This is literally ranked the number one organization in Virginia. It's called Change the World RVA. They won the Governor's Volunteerism and Community Service Award last year. They focus on helping students succeed in high school, college, and just life generally. And they cool. focus on things like students who are homeless or providing like networks for uh, college visits, uh, programming, having host families. They're just very involved in making sure that everyone's on equal footing and getting the chance to succeed in life. Cool. Number two, I, I love this name. First, a great anagram like this. Virginia organized for interfaith community engagement, AKA voice. So cool. Isn't that awesome? Their their focus is they bring together 50 different congregations of various political or religious beliefs, and they get them together to focus on ideas like affordable housing, healthcare access, immigration, education, like they tackle all those big subjects while gathering many voices together. It's, it's great. Way cool. And number three rated in the state is Winchester based. Are you aware of this one? I've never heard no.
0: of
1: that. <laughs> like, that? it. No, like that. Wait, C cap. C cap. Oh, you do know them then?
0: Um, I don't know them, but CCAP sounds very familiar. I think that my congregation is involved in CCAP. I think they make announcements, but I have a toddler and I'm really
1: bad at being involved in anything. No, no, that makes sense. It's a nonprofit faith-based organization that brings together churches, synagogues, businesses, civic groups, and private individuals to offer services such as financial assistance, fresh food, donated clothing, and transportation. So awesome. Again, there's so many, you guys will link those and people can look into it on their own time. And I just wanted to mention personally, because I found them to be so amazing for me, they're called volunteer Fairfax. I live in Fairfax. So like I see them everywhere, but as far as I can tell, they cover a lot of Northern Virginia. I have been really impressed by how easy they are about offering flexible times and options for everybody. And then I just want to mention like a very specific way that we can help locally, especially if you're Northern Virginia, but also if you are like in the DC region or just the East coast is helping the Afghanistan refugees that have just settled in this area. There's a lot of different ways that we can help. Uh, currently, just to bear in mind, a lot of refugees are looking for furniture, especially in winter clothing. There's a lot of different groups. I'm specifically going to mention the Ethiopian Community Development Council. They have been extremely involved. I'm part of their email listing. It's like almost like being part of a group chat. They're very casual being like, hey, this family, really need to ride to a job interview tomorrow. Like, is anybody free? Or, hey, guys, like we're sorting out canned goods tonight. Like, is anybody able to just show up and do this? They're so good about that. And somebody just mentioned that rugs, apparently, a very typical home decor is having every inch of your floor covered in rugs. And mm-hmm. that was so interesting. I did. I was not aware of that. And so rugs is a big donation item right now if anybody has anything. Aww. Well, and speaking of which, I thought you'd really enjoy this in the Washington Times. So we're recording this episode in early November. In this past weekend, and the Mormon church was cited for their work in helping over 400 refugees get settled in this last weekend alone. So, members of the yay. church of Jesus
0: Christ of Latter-day saints are real, yeah. real good at, at, uh, mobilizing. And yeah, <laughs> like I was so impressed really 400 people in one weekend. That's, that's a lot. So yeah. yeah. So could us, we, to- we really like, our uh, volunteering. We love our volunteering. Okay. I, should do a lot better about it. But in general, <laughs> that's that's a good strength of my church.
1: Well yeah. It's so, but beyond even helping the refugees, again, we will link all of this. It's a lot of links. I just linked a few Spencer, of this actual... is such a
0: cool episode.
1: Thank you. Oh, I appreciate it. I really wanted to do this because I would like to be more involved personally.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Good goal. Um, On so this list children's storytime
1: readers. I really want to do that, but it's like very limited. Yeah. Stocking supper volunteering be a canine mentor. Like so cool yeah. uh, gift delivery elves. Like, so cute. oh, oh, we talked about this virtual volunteering at insight memory care. So that's, that's virtual volunteering at a, so there's this big list will include it. Everything from making holiday stress kit makers to adopting a needy family. It's, there's a lot of options. And so one of these is being a canine mentor And uh, I'm going to include this list, which all has links. So this idea is that you would help by volunteering to mentor a puppy to get them ready for training requirements to be a uh, service dog. And the last thing I want to mention is monetary contributions. I'm fairly wary to mention this because we just talked about the fact that a lot of kids do not understand the concept of money, as well as the fact that you should be cautious in monetary givings because you Mm -hmm. need to make sure you research who you're giving to. I've listed uh, CharityFinder.org and the IRS has a personal list of reputable charities. But GoFundMe has this insanely long list of their charitable winners of the year into which they have organized charities by the purpose of them. So like the best education charity was Scholarship America. Best children's charity is Prevent Child Abuse America. And so you cool. can go through this list, find something that resonates with you. Uh, like, for example, I personally have a lot of like legal aids I like to donate to. And uh, they say that the best one is the Innocence Project. You have a lot of options and it's a great thing to have access to so that you can pick something that really means a lot to you if you're going to be doing eating charitably instead of time-wise.
0: Very cool. I love this. And like, yeah, I think that it's important to start young. I think that this is just how you learn how to do it is to see your parents doing this and seeing your community doing things. And you have those memories of doing it because it was like this super cool memory in your youth. And that makes you want to participate in those things more as an adult. And I think Um, middle schoolers and high schoolers have a lot more of those opportunities through different programs, but it's really cool to instill more of those experiences in them when they are in this early childhood age so really cool i love this episode i've had goosebumps like the whole time
1: i really appreciate that it's never too early to talk about this to start this conversation now use this holiday as a jump start for your family to begin discussing how you can get back to the community and with that i will wish you guys a happy first week of december in the holiday season and uh, i'm looking forward to next week and it's gonna be another great
0: conversation
1: with my good friend,
0: Lizzie. Ow. Thank you so much for listening to The Speckled Bees, A Celebration of Childhood. Make sure you go and leave a review on Apple Podcasts and follow us on social media so you can join in the conversation a little more. Especially after this one, because we're going to have a lot of links for you
1: guys. And you better be ready to click and search with us. And um, with that, you know, a very speckled bees jingle buzzing <laughs> off. <laughs> a bee of good cheer. <laughs>